Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Open your hearts, loosen your butts. It's time for couples therapy. Yeah, this podcast is Andy and Naomi's, where they can both laugh and hang with all their homies, talking excellent vacationing with brunches and cuddling, to messy situationships and conscious and coupling, from Netflix hookups to single them with some Hulu, text sex, regrets, so feeling on your new jubu. They gon' talk about it, ah, yeah, you are invited, ah, needing therapy, I guarantee, baby, we got it. It's Hello, everyone, and welcome to Couples Therapy. My name is Naomi. My name is Andy. And we're a real-life couple. A real-life couple of comedians. And on Couples Therapy, we answer a couple of questions from a couple of different listeners. Andy, Mm -hmm. to be fair, yes, I woke up only moments before we (laughs) recorded this. However, my energy is up. Well, hey, look. No one knows what time it is right now. I know. So for all you, hey, listeners, for all you know, we're recording this at 8 a.m. And Naomi waking up at 7.40 a.m., well, that's great. It's 1.36 p.m. <laughs> I'm going to tell them. I'm going to be honest. I'll out myself. So you know what? It's just been a minute, but the point is I'm up. Mm-hmm. And hey. that's a testament to our love and this life. And yes, and wanting to be conscious in this life. Wanting to be conscious it, in this life. It's not a testament to uh, facing the horrors <laughs> of existence <laughs> and saying, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so you know where we are folks where are you sound off in the comments <laughs> well today's such a fun episode because we're talking to someone who i truly enjoy so this that also is, gets uh, me in a good space i would say this is one of the most requested guests absolutely total request live for this guy <laughs> T- hey, totally call me whatever that guy's name is because this is trl carson daly mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever call that me, guy's name is, call is me such a drag of carson daly carson yearly <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you guys you have already heard his dulcet tones today we are talking to the hilarious bridger weiniger bridger is a writer he's written for shows like jimmy kimmel live unbreakable kimmy schmidt black monday single parents corporate i mean i mean he's out here booked busy blessed he also hosts the podcast i said no gifts and that's a delight you were I was on, on that. that i was i now- wasn't it's okay. No one invited me. Okay. Well, oh, Lord. Now, uh-oh. now we've got to fix that. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> I use this intro to bring up all my resentments. I know. That's so funny. <laughs> so passive aggressive. Not to the person, just in the intro. And then they have to just like address it on social media. Well, they don't have to. No one's going to care. <laughs> that would be so funny. Uh, hey, before we get into the episode, though, a couple things. One of them. So um, on Michael Cyril Crichton's episode, yes. we got some follow-ups, okay? Yeah. Be- um, because... Uh, uh, a woman left a message. She, uh, her, and her husband have had sex four times in the last ten years, and she doesn't know what to do. Right. She would like to be intimate. She would like to be physical. She would like that. She would like to be desired. And she's was asking for suggestions, thoughts, responses. And a lot of you, and this is what I love about our listeners. They're invested. You put the call out, Naomi. You said, hey, if anyone's, this is not my experience, if anyone has absolutely gone through this. And we got a lot of, I, I'm actually going to split the responses between this episode and next episode because we got so many. Absolutely. But we got some, and I appreciate everyone being so thoughtful and showing up. So I'm going to play one right now, and then, uh, Naomi, I'll have you read one. So here's okay. a couple suggestions for Blue on what she can do. Hello, I was just listening to your latest episode, and you put a call out for long-term couples that have gone through a sex rut and come out the other side. My husband and I are coming up on our 20th anniversary together. Um, We're 38, so that means we got together. Orientation week of freshman year of college. (laughs) It's been a long time. We are married. We have two kids. Um, for me, uh, traditional V to P or P to V sex was really painful until after I had babies, which is crazy because now it's so much better. So that was for me an anatomical thing. And then also over the last year, we've done MDMA a couple of times and that has really, really, really helped. We didn't even have sex on MDMA, but afterward the connection has been like revitalized and also therapy on both of our sides and support so anyway thanks for a great podcast you guys i love you both m d m a naomi mdma and therapy now that's a combo i can get behind i believe they're actually like trying to reclassify some of the like psychotropic drugs as therapeutic drugs too. Really? Okay. That does definitely make sense. So that's so blue. If you're listening, if y'all want to try that, if that's something he might be open to, maybe it'll help him feel a little better about his body. If he opens his mind, gets a little loose, feels the way the rug feels against his skin. Is that what happened? Have you ever done Molly? No, but I assume it's like stuff like that, that you, you know, sort of just like you're taking in sensations, you know, (laughs) I don't know. Or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) I've seen it on TV. Exactly. (laughs) Oh God, we're so silly, which is why I so appreciate people with actual suggestions. Uh Here's another one from a very lovely anonymous listener. Listen to this. Dear, Hi, Naomi and Andy. Your podcast brings me so much joy and delight, so thank you. I'm writing because the call from the woman about her lacking sex life with her partner really resonated with me, and you asked for listener feedback. Though I think you gave great advice. I had to keep that in there. I was in a similar situation with my partner now of six years. Though we had an active sex life very early in our relationship, this changed fairly quickly into the relationship. I have a high sex drive, and my partner has a low sex drive, to the point that he doesn't need sex with another person to be happy and live a fulfilling life. This is not the case for me. We went through years of him shutting down when I would bring up the topic because he didn't know how to face it and was afraid of losing me since this had been a contributing factor to all of his previous relationships ending. 
Eventually, we got to the point where we could talk about it. We had many in-depth conversations and did couples therapy. But ultimately, although we were very connected emotionally and loved one another and had healthy communication, the bottom line is our sexualities were not compatible. We eventually decided to open up our relationship, and it has worked incredibly well, better than I ever could have envisioned when we started this journey. We read Tristan Taumino's book, Opening Up, together, and took care and took care to prepare ourselves for embarking on this journey in a way that would protect our relationship to the extent possible. Currently, I am sexually fulfilled with another partner in a newer relationship that has also opened doors for even more emotional satisfaction. My primary partner doesn't struggle with the fear of losing me over a lack of sex, nor does he feel pressure to satisfy me sexually when that's not something he wants. For me, polyamory has been a way of of us prioritizing consent because It doesn't involve anyone having sex that they don't want to have out of a sense of obligation. I think many people could view what we did as threatening to our relationship, but the biggest threat we faced was our sexual incompatibility. We continue to love and respect each other and make a good life together. We take care to talk openly and check in about how we're feeling. It is required work, but it's paid off so much. I appreciated that y'all encouraged the caller to prioritize her own sexual desires and find a healthy way to get those desires met, even if it includes the possibility of polyamory. It is rare that a single person can meet all of the expectations we place on romantic partners in our society. I hope her partner will be open to that if it's not possible or healthy for them to meet these needs for one another. She deserves to find sexual fulfillment. I honestly wish I could talk directly with her about this if she were open to it because it reminded me so much of what I've been through. If this is a, if this is read on air, please don't use my name. Just thank you for the compassion and openness with which you address this question, which I think so many people struggle with. Well, well wow. Polly, Polly, wow. or uh, prepared Polly is what this sounds like. Do you know what I mean? It was like, we're going to read this book together. We're going to talk about this. Step into this eyes wide open. Well, isn't that what, <laughs> this is gonna, isn't that what polyamory is supposed to be prepared? Otherwise it's just cheating on someone. And then I'm like, like, as I'm saying, starting to ask questions, I'm like, this is as much as like, I know as much about polyamory as I know about MDM. <laughs> so like, <laughs> Oh my goodness. But I, I don't think you're supposed to spring it on a partner at the last second. No, you don't spring it on them, but I don't know if necessarily everyone's like, let's read this book and together and right. talk about it and get into Thoughtful. what some exactly you know, some people are like, let's open up the relationship and be honest with each other. And then that's not necessarily enough information. You know what I mean? So this is like I'm very happy for this person and um, you know, Blue, if you wanna be connected shoot an email to couplestherapypod at gmail.com and then we can connect you with this anonymous person because, honey, we need each other. We need a community. And that's what the CTQC is all about. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll have uh, some more comments next week too. Uh, before we get into the episode, exactly though, Naomi, I just celebrated the 500th episode of my other podcast beginnings. And I just want to, I feel pretty proud of, of that accomplishment. I am very proud of you. I mean, 500 episodes, honey, you were doing podcasts before they were hot. Okay. You were doing them before Conan O'Brien allegedly created them. Yeah. It was me, Scott Ackerman and Mark Maron that you got the founding fathers. (laughs) And so to, for you to do, I mean, honestly, it's the longest relationship you've been in, right? Cause you had the podcast before me. So it goes like podcast and then me? <laughs> Maybe. So I mean, my God, that's a very long, I mean, I'm very. I around this, I well, yeah. You were doing it a little bit before me. A couple months. Yep. I think maybe the first episode, I started recording January 2010. I think maybe the first episode debuted around the time we started dating. Well then, it's it's an anniversary time. 
So if you guys give a listen, that's a really yeah. fun one with uh, Arthur Matthews, who's uh, the creator of a show we love, Toast of London. Yep. And also a bunch of other great British shows. Yeah. You know, Andy likes his British comedies and yeah. he was very fun and open. So give and, uh, that a listen. 500 eps. And while you're out here listening to podcasts, you know, Andy and I, speaking of polyamory, you know, we're poly when it comes to <laughs> podcasting. Um, as you know, I also co-host. Polyamory? Cute, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, I co-host the podcast I Love a Lifetime Movie with the hilarious Megan Gailey. We watch a different Lifetime movie every week. We recap it. We play clips. We interview actors from the movies, writers. Sometimes we have fun comedian friends on. Recently, we had Yamanika, who you've heard on here. Um, and so give that a listen. And also, we, you know, we, we need a guest li- on podcast. We also guest on podcast. I, also, I recently did the very fun Do You Need a Ride podcast hosted by Karen Kilgariff and Chris Fairbanks, and that was a good old time, so check that out if you want to. I was and just on the Daily Zeitgeist. Come on now. That was a real fun time. And that was a real fun time. We're out here having fun. We're doing outside podcasts, coming together for our own. We are reading Opening Up. <laughs> um, I'm being very silly. Opening Up Your Ears. <laughs> well, we're opening up our hearts and we're loosening up our butts, <laughs> which is what it's all about. Okay, I'm going to quit being a goof. Andy, say what we need to say, baby. Roll it. Well, well, well. <laughs> finally, we meet. <laughs> <laughs> Andy and Bridger, finally, you meet. Oh, it's been too long. I've heard story tales of your exploits. <laughs> uh, and yet, never. I mean, still never in the flesh have we met. But, we never will. And we never... <laughs> and we... Ne- thank you for saying it. Thank you for saying it. And we never will. That's nice when you take the pressure off. <laughs> we never will. That's very relaxing. But digitally, here we are. Um, Andy, I have to jump right in. I have so many questions for Bridger, okay? Sure, sure. I know nothing about you. That's... It. that's you're a mystery. Can I say that as, as, a, uh, as a little foundation, as a little... Uh, as, as the... As putting a seed into uh, a bit of potted soil. Wow. <laughs> As a deeply unmysterious person, I appreciate that. <laughs> I like that someone thinks I'm a mystery. Well, Bridger, now I think of you, though, you say you're not a mystery, but I do think you're a cool customer. You seem like what? someone who, you know what I mean? Like you kind of, not walls up in a mean way, but like you chit, like kind of like, we're not going to be close. But I approve of you. Do you, like do you this, get that? I mean, do you like do you this, Bridger? We immediately start saying <laughs> what our impression is of you. Look, uh, no, I, I, I actually, what Naomi is saying, I can kind of see what you're talking about, and I, I don't know that I want to be putting off that, uh-huh. but I think that maybe that's just the way I'm built, and I have to, inf- I have to deal with it. I mean, like, yeah. uh, I'm not a good roommate. Like, I've had roommates in the past who've been like, I don't think you like me. I'm like, I don't, oh. no, it has nothing to do with me not liking you. It's, I don't like talking. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Especially to people who I'm not really friends with. I mean, the, the last roommate situation was in 2010, and it was, I mean, it was just out of control in every way. So I was glad that they thought I didn't like them because I didn't. <laughs> okay. Well, uh-huh. then that was actually going to be my next question was, which ones did you not like? Wait, why didn't you like this person? This was a couple. Um, it was a man, a <laughs> woman, and their baby. Oh, um, no. Uh, end of story. <laughs> right. Uh, it was when I first moved to L.A., so it was uh, like I didn't know anyone here. I found it looked like a decent little place on Craigslist. It was like uh, 3rd Street in o- Orlando. The building has now been demolished, so you know <laughs> d- nobody can go visit it, and there's not going to be any picture taking. Um, 
But uh, so I, they were just my landing place. And then suddenly I was like, the woman's ride to the airport so she could go to the tattoo convention and like oh, just no. uh, weird stuff like that. And then they were very mad when I moved out three months later. I'm sorry, this person's married. Why were you the ride to the airport? <laughs> right. Why was I also the person they were counting on financially? We <laughs> barely had a job. <laughs> it was uh, oh. the whole thing. I mean, I think the first in the first couple of nights I was there, they were like, well, we'll split groceries and it'll be uh-huh. for you. It'll be 150 a week. And I thought, what? What, what are we talking about? <laughs> I can eat cereal for three meals a day. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, you were definitely like they were financially out adrift on an ice flow. And you yeah. were the helicopter coming to save yeah. their desiccated polar bear? Wow, <laughs> that's a good one, babe. You really took that metaphor to the end. Their desiccated polar bear, which was their child. Yeah. Well, that, I the baby. Meant, I, I actually, I just meant their existence. I that know, but I decided to make it the baby. Um, now, Bridger, it's funny. You said wait, wait, wait. I want to go back. Hold on. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hold on. There's still meat on the bone, Naomi. <laughs> Did this woman come back with any cool tattoos from the convention? <laughs> Um, I believe, and this, you know, things morph over time and things get cloudy, but there was a Tinkerbell tattoo that was either before the tattoo convention or after, and this one was on her rib cage. Mm-kay. So this is, uh, uh <laughs> I can't, uh-huh. I can't. Yeah. yeah. So not cool. So like, <laughs> like, it's not like she got like a sleeve and it was like no. the Iron Maiden dude or no, whatever. No. It was like Taz. <laughs> well, Ugh. you said you moved. Okay, now can I switch? Because this is what I wanted to ask. Hey, hey, we're now we're we're chomping on bone, baby. Switch. Yeah, we got <laughs> pivot, <laughs> pivot, baby. <laughs> you said you moved to LA in 2010. My, cons- my I thought you were someone who was quote unquote discovered from like Twitter or the internet. Is that accurate? <sighs> I mean, that is. <laughs> I, I hate <laughs> all of this. I know, oh but I'm so God. curious. Yeah, this is because I was uh, like, yeah. So I moved, I lived in New York for like five months. I interned for Letterman and that was like my first little thought that I could maybe work in the industry without having known anybody else in the industry. And then I moved back to Utah. I worked as a copywriter for a while. And then that's right when Twitter was starting. And so I would tweet on occasion. So I, but that to me was just another thing. I just moved to LA because I had no other choice. Oh, and so right. then I like I got a terrible job as a PA, and then I would uh, spend a large part of my day tweeting because mm-hmm. I felt like that was my only outlet. And then, yeah, in 2014, uh, Jimmy Kimmel uh, hired me from Twitter. Okay, did you get that's... a DM? How did that happen? I got a DM. <laughs> you got a legit DM? I'm not kidding. Uh, for, I, I mean, and it was a real low point. At that point, I was like researching social media jobs in Utah. I was like, it's over. I've been here for like four and a half years. I mm-hmm. had had a couple tiny close calls where that had not worked out. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And then a month later, a friend was like, I'm going to get donuts in the valley. This is at 11 p.m. And so <laughs> I was like, sure, I have nothing else in my life. And I went with him and I uh uncharacteristically didn't look at my phone the entire time we got to the donut place and i took out my phone and i had gotten a dm from jimmy just saying like i'm laughing at your tweets and uh i panicked just full panic like i would have if i really if i had not been with the friend at the time i would have stayed up for 12 hours being like how do you respond to this yeah and he said just just be normal just say thank you and so that's what i said i said thank you and expected nothing else to happen. And then Jimmy, God bless him, just kept following up and was like, you should be writing. Hmm. 
Hmm. Um, and then over like a month later, I went in and met him and we kind of just like talked about my musical interests or like things <laughs> I was into. He's like, okay, it seems like you're not out of your mind. Would you yeah. want a job? Sure, sure. The pants test. Yeah. Now, what were your musical interests at the time? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I specifically remember saying I love the new pornographers. Great. Um, you approve, I, Andy? Yeah, of course. Twenty. Are you well, twenty ten? What's that? Challenge? Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> what are we talking? Challengers? Is that that about twenty ten? Um, yeah, I think. Let's see. Twenty. Well, no. Kimmel had hired hired me in twenty fourteen, so I think this was when they put out Brill Bruisers. Oh yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. <laughs> weirdly, I had just been in the Brill in the music video for War on the East Coast. Uh, oh. I was a background person. I had just gone because I wanted to hear the song, and uh, <laughs> uh-huh. also again had nothing going on in my life up until a month later or so. So, did, uh, did you get to see Dan Behar in his off time? Of like, course, when, I like, did. When the cameras weren't on him, did he just kind of shut down? That's in my <laughs> mind. Like, <laughs> I think he's kind. I think he's kind of shut down at all times. He doesn't seem to give anybody anything. Uh, Which I, uh, I appreciate. I love someone who's not giving anyone anything. Sure. Okay, like Bridger, I'm not surprised. All right. <laughs> sure. Sure you do. <laughs> Wait, okay. So Utah. So that's, well, the, that, that's the only one other fact I know about you, that you are you were raised more. I don't know if you still are Mormon, but you were raised Mormon. I was. Uh, no. uh, <laughs> I've never heard the I've never heard the word was so rich. Do you know what I mean? Like for one word to have yeah, for multitudes. One syllable. Yep, one syllable. One syllable. That is definitely a leaves of grass syllable. Leaves <laughs> <laughs> of grass syllable. I hope Absolutely. it is, because uh yeah, I was Mormon. Uh and have been gay the entire existence of my life. So Ooh. those things are deeply incompatible. I mean, yeah. they're kind of in the news this week, actually, because one of their guys said some shitty thing about gay people or something. And it's just like the fixation there on gay people is mm. next level. Oh, really? Yes. Sorry, wait. You said that the Church of Latter-day Saints is homophobic? <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I will say, I know, I still have obviously a lot of Mormons in my life, family, still friends from high school and college that are still at least semi-active Mormons, and they are not homophobic. So it becomes this complicated thing where the organization is just worse and worse on the subject, while its members are slowly coming around, and I think that they're kind of headed towards some sort of conflict. Hmm. Hopefully. Hopefully, right, exactly. Well, okay, though, but, you know, because couples therapy, you know, we're going to be answering people's relationship questions, whatever they come in with. So we like, you know, we want to know our guests' background when it comes to some of these things. So that's going to inform your advice. Yes. Okay. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, and also we do want to know about the coming Mormon schism. So. <laughs> we are prepared. <laughs> we are. We're very excited. Clouds are rolling in. <laughs> it's, um, it's just, it's funny. My introduction to Mormonism was um, in high school, my... A friend of mine who ended up being like my prom date, I guess, senior year, um, she now, she is trans, but she grew up in the church and had, you know, a, just a typical Mormon family. Like they were, they lived uptown in Harlem and they actually told me, like, I didn't realize the Church of Latter-day Saints was Mormon. 
Do you know what I mean? Of like course. we have that church in Manhattan, and I was like, "What's sure. that about?" I was like, "That's gorgeous and cute." And he was like, "Yeah, that's our church." And I was like, "Oh, that." I was like, "That's the church from the commercials where they share." <laughs> I just remember like those commercials. Yeah, the when commercials I when I was a kid. The commercial would come on during like Rescue Rangers exactly. or whatever. Wow. And it was see, like I didn't see the commercials because I was lived in Utah. Exactly. Right, you guys sure. didn't need it. Yeah, yeah. Right. They're, they're, not, coming they're not. They're not <laughs> going to that market. They don't no, need that's it. That's a waste that's, of yeah. head budget. <laughs> it's very saturated. They were like, "We got to go to the heathens." We got. To go to the east coast they certainly played that shit in new york all the time and i was like and i didn't i never really knew because it would just say the church of latter-day saints at the end mm-hmm. of the commercial but i didn't i was like is that mormon sorry i was in my head like, and i was just like what if jews had done a commercial <laughs> like try kanish maybe try kanish maybe there are a lot of great jewish snacks that could use an advertisement I feel like the world of Jewish food deserves to be on TV, commercial-wise. Right, right, right. What are you thinking? What do you think we need to start off with? Do you like I think challah? the Kanish. It's delicious. Yeah. Okay, yeah. potato moment. I see what you're saying. To me, I, actually, you say Kanish, I say potato pancake. I think a lot could oh. a commercial. Because the first time I had that crispy pancake of potato? You were sold. You were like, I, I gotta sold. marry a Jew. I was sold. <laughs> my, I've, never, I've never actually made it, but I do think my... Dr- my dream breakfast would be latke topped with two scrambled eggs with another latke on top. You got an egg sammy with potato bread. That sounds (laughs) phenomenal. There's a place in uh, in LA called Cassell's that sells a breakfast hamburger that's between two like crispy hash browns that's similar to that yeah it makes you feel uh not good <laughs> well see and that's the thing i think the meat between something hearty, right that's, that's too, too much. much but i think you can really get away with two eggs you know also just for um thickness as well right like you could take a bite mm-hmm. fit it but, into your mouth right absolutely now okay so as i'm saying like this is what this is what we know right we know commercials and then i found out later but then also because later when she was transitioning i was like What's up with you in a church? <laughs> you know, and she said she was taken off the scrolls or the oh, rolls, yeah. right? Which are, right, whatever word that is. But obvious, but her family, everybody was cool. You know right. what I mean on a personal right. level. And I don't know if it was like initially cool or they became cool, but ultimately they have their relationship. Oh, that's wonderful. I know. So that's why I was like, huh? I was like, okay. You could transition, but then the church is like, oh, no, we don't know her. Very Mariah Carey, read J-Lo, you know? <laughs> yeah, she was probably uh, excommunicated, and uh, which is, I mean, I don't know. It's just a bunch of weird yeah. like, rules that someone came up with at some point that like people continue to play along with for whatever reason. <laughs> and then, like, but, like, on a micro level, hopefully, usually, families still care about each other enough that, like, even if somebody gets excommunicated or whatever, they still love that person. And I think... A lot of Mormons, I won't say most or all, because they're people, right. but I think uh, a lot of them are genuinely good-natured uh, people who want to do the right thing. They just happen to have this other thing that's so confusing and at times horrible. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I uh, think, you know, the shadow of Moroni. The shadow, shadow. absolutely. The shadow, the shadow, the shadow, the shadow. of Moroni. Um, well, now that I know an actual Mormon, Bridger, can we go out with my project that I wrote called Sister Wife, which is about a black woman who marries into a polygamous Mormon family because she oh needs help God. taking care of her kids. But is this a real thing? I have the scripts. Okay. <laughs> How do we not take this listen, out? Listen to part of the theme song. I'm already a sister. Why not be a sister wife? You love it. You love it. That has to be a thing. We have to take That's it That's such a funny idea. <laughs> so, you know, I think, you know, just trying to talk about it myself, they were like, this might be offensive. But I think if you came with me, Bridger, it would be fine. I think if we take that out next week. 
perfect. I'm a veil. We begin pitching. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad that we were able to turn this podcast into a uh, business deal. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay, so sorry. Let, let, let's go back for a second, though. Uh, so growing up in the church... Yeah. Uh, 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 how? Okay. So the church homophobic. You decidedly gay. Homophile. <laughs> yeah. Homophile. I love all things homo. Yeah. <laughs> um. To me, that doesn't seem like a very equitable kind of relationship as you're growing up. Oh, not at all. I mean, so I, I was basically done with the Mormon church when I was 20. I went on a Mormon mission and then came home early because I had a nervous breakdown. And then it was Where'd like... Where'd you go to? Where, yeah, where'd uh, you have to go? I was in East Malaysia. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a big Beautiful. Idea. A yeah. wonderful place to go on vacation. Not a great place to ride on a bike and try to sell something you're not a huge believer in. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I came home and then it was like, you know, I slowly removed myself from Mormonism, but I was not out. I moved to LA in 2010. I, I've like at 20, I think I was 24, 25. And then it was another five or six years before I came out. <gasps> uh, I mean, even to myself, like, oh my gosh. I, didn't, I didn't start dating men until I was 29. And it was only because I got this job at Kimmel where I was like, I can finally, I don't have to count on anyone anymore. Like, that like I can now mm. stick, hopefully stick around here and make a life for myself. So it was like Mormonism, despite not even being part of my life at that point, and for years he- held this crazy thing over me that was like mm-hmm. I still felt like my life was going to be devastated if I came out. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. So when you say like you didn't count anybody, basically feeling like okay, if your family or friend shunned you, you knew you would still have a roof over your head. You knew you right. could like keep going. I see what you're right. saying. Right. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Right, right, right. So wait, how did you then admit it to yourself at that point? Oh my God. It, it's kind of hard to say at this point, but I, you know, I had um, slowly been like kind of admitting it to myself while I was living in LA and I was unbelievably lonely all the time. And mm. I like made one last attempt when I think, I think when I was 26 or 27 to date a woman, I was like, I have to give this one shot to just see if, I mean, God bless her. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, it obviously didn't work out. And then like another year or so passed by and I like, I think I casually saw another woman and I was like, okay, what I'm doing is insane. Like this is not fair to anyone in this equation. I have to at least stop doing that. So I stopped doing that. And then, uh, my, but I was like, I didn't want anyone to know. And my sister lived in San Diego at the time with her husband and I would visit them on occasion. And I knew that Tinder was location based. And I was like, while I'm in San Diego, I'm just going to open it. I'm going to Mm. open it and look. It was like, and just see how scary this feels. And of course my heart was racing or whatever. And I was like, Oh, okay. I can look at, I can swipe on men and it's nothing has happened yet. And so that was like my first little dip into the water. And then that made it a lot easier. I got back to LA and started, you know, it, I mean, it's literally an app built like every other app to be addictive. So it was like, okay, so this is just a game now and it's not that scary. And that's how it all began. But then I didn't, okay. uh, you know, come out to anyone else until I met my current boyfriend and uh, like felt like things were moving along with him. Now, with all of that, you know, for lack of a better term, baggage, right, with regards to your sexuality, when you actually got into a relationship, I'm wondering, 
Was it just drama? Were you? Did it take you a while? Do you know what I mean? Because it's a lot to undo 29 years, you know, or 20 years of thinking about something. And now you have this person who I assume was already out and living his life as a gay man. And you are like, you know, figuring out who you are as a gay man. Or certainly right. in a relationship, right? Because at the very least, you have not been in a real honest relationship yet mm-hmm. until this person. Weirdly, I mean, I think part of there was not a ton of drama. There was a guy I saw a little bit before before, before I excuse me met Jim, who I wasn't out to anyone, and he I think he that guy was a little frustrated that I wasn't out, and he was like, I don't know. So then I met Jim, and my nature is to kind of just push everything, and I continue to do this, just push everything underneath, and everything's fine. And Jim is very like, <laughs> I get you, I get you. <laughs> So, and Jim's very, is very much about communication. He's from New Jersey and just says literally everything he thinks. And so... Hey, uh, I want to get some spaghetti. <laughs> that is not that far from reality. Change that to chicken parm. Uh, but I, for whatever reason, we, he had never really been in a long-term relationship. He had been out for a long time, but um, had not been in a relationship. So we were kind of learning about being in a relationship at the same time. And for whatever reason, our mix of chemistry didn't lead to a ton of drama. I think mm-hmm. I was just out of patience. I was like, I, I'm not going to uh, fuck around anymore. I just yeah. want this to be a, nice. And I want to like live, start living my actual life here. And yeah. he made it very easy to do that. Yeah. Oh, that's, thank God. Oh, thank God. I think, honestly, <laughs> this podcast, we need to call up some of those straight women from the past and just <laughs> say, sister girl, bless your heart. You did something <laughs> helpful long, in the long run, but I know it was jerk. Can we uh can we come up with a different word for baggage? By the way, baggage yeah, know, is like something that you're carrying around, and oh. this is like stuff that other people put on you, yeah. like they piled on you. Well, like he was kind of right. the Sherpa, forced to hold carry the bags up Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not his baggage; he's been saddled. He's been saddled. Yes, but with saddle what? bags, saags. saddle bags, saddle bags. Somehow worse. Now I'm an animal in this equation. <laughs> Sherpa, I'm bags. some sort of donkey or something. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, uh, I mean, there was a little drama like a year in when I was like, I'm going to come out to my parents and this sort of thing. But then they were g- mostly great about it. My dad was su- was incredibly supportive, and my mom uh, came around to it pretty quickly. Okay. So I oh, feel very okay. Lucky. Dad was on board. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Did you? It just made you saying that though. Did you work on Kimmy Schmidt the season that Mikey comes out with Titus? Um, that's, no. see, that's season two, right? Oh, is it? Okay, uh, I and I was season three. Okay, just because so I was like, we were... was it informed by you being like, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell him. <laughs> then dad being like, I guess the Pope's gay. It's fine. <laughs> it was kind of a similar thing to that. I don't know, except for we were all bawling and that kind oh, of thing. They? Yeah. yeah. Um, is there anything positive about Mormonism that you take from it? Like, we, um, we, we've been sitting here like... Like, like listing all the like very awful stuff about it, but like, was there something positive about growing up in the church? I think that's a really good question, and I do think there is. I think there are things like I think Mormonism teaches hard work. I think like self reliance and this that kind of thing. I think that they at least tell you to be an honest person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could uh, send you a million news stories about Mormons not being honest and being <laughs> financial master i mean criminal master oh yeah sure. we watched the documentary on netflix yeah. oh yeah that one um, yeah mitt romney mitt also, romney is also, a also a terrible terrible human <laughs> uh but yeah i like i think being honest being a hard worker and just like being general trying to be a generally nice person i think those are good things you can take away from mormonism that i hold on to did you meet your first black person in los angeles 
Um, no. Okay. Uh, there, I met my first, the only black person in our high school, there was, there was one black person in our high school. Okay. Utah is the whitest place on yeah. earth. Yeah, totally. Have you I been know. to Utah, Naomi? No, 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 I'm afraid. They wouldn't it's, let her, she went to the border and they said, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm really scared. It might as well be Scandinavia. Or, you yeah. know, it's like, yeah. it's very, I mean, maybe Idaho is whiter. That feels very children of the corn to me. Because it's not just white, but like, there are no olive-toned people. There are no brunettes. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's like blonde and white, where I'm like, oh, no, no, no. This is, <laughs> this is a trap. This is very much a trap. I cannot. Yeah. But, um. I've always wanted to see it, but that's how I feel about a lot, a lot of the middle of the country. Just like right. wanting to see it, you know, just like know what everything is. Yeah, Utah is beautiful. Yeah, I mean, there are mountains, and if you like yeah. snow, that kind of thing. I just started watching The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Oh my god, do you love it? You know, this is my first time watching any sort of housewife. Right, and <laughs> even a desperate. Yeah, even a desperate one. <laughs> and so I. And I just have a lot of friends who watch it. And because I know this one only has one season, I was like, okay, I can try it. Uh, I don't like watching it alone because oh, it feels I'm, I'm really watching sick people. Mm-hmm. And that feels like a little dirty. Sure. You know what I mean? It feels like you're a voyeur of like people with actual problems. Yeah. Or also too, like these grown women with like really scary looking faces who act like they're in high school. <laughs> yes. And I'm just like, but at the same time, I'm like, I have a lot of feelings and opinions and want to talk about it with people, right? So it's like, that's why I'm like, when the new one comes back, I want to be like part of a group that watches it or people to talk to. <laughs> right. Well, wait, Richard. Is that, keep is us that, on task. Well, no, no, because I'm curious if that kind <laughs> because of... Because I will go off track. <laughs> but you're from Salt Lake City? Right outside of, like right. a suburb of Salt Lake City. Does that feeling permeate the entire town? Because I'm sorry, I'm thinking now about like how like... How if you've got this kind of like very strict uh, religion where a lot of people are oppressing whatever doesn't not necessarily right. like their sexuality, but I'm sure there's a lot of repression mm-hmm. going. Not on. even drinking coffee, honey. Coffee. They're right. repressing a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm kind of curious about like growing up in that kind of context where like it just feels like uh, the like everything feels like tied down in a certain way. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I think that that's definitely the largely the feeling. And then the other thing is like the smaller portion of the population that's not Mormon really wants to be seen as not Mormon. And so like hmm. it kind of feeds into this narrative for Mormons, I think, that it's like if you're not part of the church, you're like out of control. Hmm. I mean, uh, I think that that's like that's kind of. Uh, softened in the last decade or so, but like there was a feeling growing up that like if you left the church, you were then had to do meth. Where it's like there's no <laughs> right. in between. It's like right. you are now with the devil, right? A true right, heathen. Right. You're either right. in the you're true heathen, right? Right? right. And you're either in the church or getting Tinker Bell tattoos on your church. <laughs> Those are your two options, right? So it feels very because right if you're living in a place where everyone shares this religion, then it almost feels like. You know, that feeling when you do say, you know, that fear of having nothing if you came out, because as far as you knew for a lo- for most of your life, the world was that. Right. 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 Like, I mean, I mean, obviously you're like watching movies and TV and stuff and, you know, other stuff is happening. But for all intents and purposes, the world is the church and everyone believes what the church believes, because that is everybody around for hundreds of miles. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I knew a couple, I had a couple friends who were not Mormon, but outside of that, everyone I knew, every, my entire reality was 
Mormons, mm-hmm. who were active Mormons. Right. Were you able to find another community to be a part of? Not necessarily just like like the community of gay men here in Los Angeles, but like was there also it was was it also just sorry when I was thinking you were saying like well I was finally financially independent, but were you also able to find some kind of like emotional independence too, or was it just the financial stuff? Um, I think it was both. I think that the, I mean, the emotional part, I feel like is still an ongoing thing where it's like, uh, when you're closeted, you, everything you hear is like, once you come out, it's such an accepting community. Everyone is, you know, waiting for you to come out and then you come out and it's like, no, being out and gay is actually can be a very lonely place. A lot of gay men are horrible people. Um, (laughs) especially with it. I mean, like, I think just the fact that I only know people in comedy at this point, a lot of people are just narcissistic psychopaths. And so mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. that yeah. to me was, I think the biggest shock where it's like, oh, it's still hard to, like this community is just another thing that you kind of have to make your way through. It's not mm-hmm. like everyone's just standing there with uh, welcome, uh, open arms. That said, I will say, coming out is a very positive thing. I don't want yeah, someone yeah. to be scared not to come out. There are wonderful people out here. And uh, if there are... Uh, yeah, I just want to be careful about how. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. But I think what you're saying is, you know, no group is a monolith, and you know, this idea of th- you know that you just because you come out, yeah, like there's gonna be no external parade or open right. house for you right. to take a part. You know, the way like people are like, okay, just come ask us questions. We're doing rush, you know, <laughs> right? But go house to house and just find out what feels right to you. <laughs> like that's not what that's not what it is. You know, you like with any social group. You have to find your people. Sure, the the, right. the number of like things I've heard about, uh, like on Grinder, like racist kinds of. Oh shit. yeah, yeah. There, I mean, that's uh, there are there are a lot of bad. I mean, there are a lot of great gay men, and there are a lot of just absolute garbage people that are like right. that are racist, that are sexist. You know, uh, but that's like I everybody. Mean, that's just people. Yeah, that's, that's like our work. Like that's, that's like that's you the know. Thing. I think it's important for everyone to know that every group, whether we're talking about ethnicity sexuality gender every group has a bunch of shitheads absolutely <laughs> that's one to grow on <laughs> one to grow on every group has a bunch of shitheads is such a nice thing to hear <laughs> i what do you do you have another cue because well, i just feel no, like no, we're yeah, getting there i just feel like we're getting in deep but now i understand you know a little bit of the bridger the right. experience. I, I want to know, did you like, did you ever go to therapy? Like to kind of oh, like yeah. talk we love through some of this stuff? Um, are you saying before coming out or after? At any point in your life, I guess. Um, after. Yeah. I mean, I'm in therapy now. Uh, I've, I'm on my third therapist and I think I like him. My first one was like a guy who didn't listen to anything I said and every week made the same joke. And it was like, oh, I just <laughs> need to laugh at that thing i like i'm it's getting uncomfortable um the second was a woman who uh on our first meeting said oh you should know i'm moving to minneapolis next month um i was like why "Why did did you have me come in (laughs) right right uh but yeah so i like i am uh going through uh, like a lot of things like especially with like just uh intimacy like i i have a hard time because i kept everything to myself for such a long time it's hard i think one thing i run up against with a lot of people and this might go a little back a little bit back to what you were saying earlier naomi about my general presence is like i keep everything to myself as long as possible until it's dragged out of me Mm. and so 
uh, that's something I, I feel like I'm still learning to do. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure makes me, I mean, I know from firsthand experience, makes me a pleasure to be in a relationship with. <laughs> <laughs> do yeah. you have a bunch of siblings? Uh, I have three. Are y'all close? Um, I, I'm, uh-huh. I'm very close with my younger sister. We're like best friends. Uh, my older brother, Jesse, he and I get along really well and uh, have a good time. And then I have another brother. Okay. Uh-huh. You don't have to say anything else. <laughs> you just said you had another brother. And that tells me everything I need to know. <laughs> Long pause. And I have another brother. I was I, Mormon. You know what I mean? Like, again, he's like, he's got a richness to his vo- voice. I will say that little space uh, that I... I I can say it like that because I feel like I put in the effort and there it was not reciprocated. So it's like, you know, you do everything you can. Yep. And then yeah. at some point you're on a podcast saying, and I have a brother. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that seems like a good place to uh, take a break. Yeah. Uh, when we get back, we're going to answer some of your advice questions. We'll be back after this. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, y'all. Wanted to pop in real quick and let you know that if you like what you hear and you want to support the show, there are a couple different ways. Most of our support comes from our wonderful Patreon community. For $5 a month, you get two bonus episodes of just us mostly spilling the tea mm-hmm. and occasionally searching for crazy bread in Los Angeles. Plus, lots of other bonus content. We love our page pals, and we couldn't do this without you. And if you want to join, go to patreon.com slash couples therapy pod. We also have merch, which includes Gotta Miss a Bitch and Jubu t-shirts, which you can find in the link tree in our Twitter or Insta bios. And for absolutely zero dollars, you can rate and review the show on Apple. Five stars, please. It'll only take 10 seconds, and it helps us tremendously. Okay, that's it. We love you deeply. Now back to the show. We've got Bridger here. Winnegar or Weiniger? Weiniger. Weiniger. We've got Bridger uh, Weiniger here. Don't get that right. Hadney, we're here to handle your scandal. You now know everything you need to know about Bridger. 
and what will be informing his advice to you. Okay. Hey, I just thought of this. (laughs) You and Bridget can connect over that. The fact that people mispronounce your last names. That's true. Oh my God. That's true. A never ending battle. I know. I know. I kind of gave up on it for a while. And then it has just, it just now haunts me because a lot of people in my life mispronounce my name. And I'm like, it's, you've been part of my life for years and I can't (laughs) correct you. I know. So I guess this is just how you say my name. I know. Hey, Bridger, because this has been my kind of like problem of like uh, internalizing everything and then not talking about it unless it gets to like a breaking point or Mm -hmm. something like that. Uh, what is the, what, like, how are you dealing with that? Cause like what I've been doing is like my therapist is always like, well, pay attention to the stuff in the moment. And then right. if you feel like you need to talk about it in the moment, then do it then. Or like, you know, close enough to that moment as opposed to like weeks later. <laughs> That's exactly what I've been told, which of course makes perfect sense. Like why would you not just, but it's, uh, I've just been trained. My, I've, my brain is so trained to think, oh, well I should really overthink this thing until it's <laughs> true. I actually hate the person who did it. And then we can get in a giant fight rather than just being like Jim, if he has a, a problem with his mom on the phone, they will yell, yell at each other for a minute. And then yeah. they move on. It's yeah. just like, oh, you can express emotions in the moment? I know. I'm not familiar. I know. It's tough. I get that. I get that. Do you like now that, like, Naomi, if you, like, leave your jeans on, uh, like, a, the kitchen chair and I say, hey, do you mind taking those to the bedroom? Do you, are you angry now that I... I'm angry with the way you word it. <laughs> do you mind taking those to the bedroom? Just say... Could you move these jeans off the chair? Because so they are not on a. They should want, not be on a chair. So you want attitude on it? Not attitude, but just more direct. It's like kind of like, do you mind? Um, would it, would it uh, put you out too much to not make the house a shithole? You know? right, that makes perfect sense. It's like the behavior. It's still like not quite. Uh, doing it correctly where it's like well I'm still not going to express my emotion totally I'm going to make this a nice situation rather than it's just like this isn't even a problem they're just jeans on the chair yeah right (laughs) Naomi your jeans are on the chair put them where they need to go exactly exactly and honestly it's like that's me okay the the jeans are always going to be on a chair okay a bra's (laughs) going to be on a couch okay I just like it's not even I will say this though think about I've been thinking about this and this is how I know I love you so much I have had a package in our vestibule <laughs> for at least 10 days <laughs> at least and andrew has not once said you think you're gonna open that and take it out the vestibule <laughs> and i said what a nice man because i know he i know he fighting the urge you know what i mean because i'm like what because like honestly Bridger, kind of, well part of it's uh, i'm kind of curious what's in there but you I know what too there are just some things where i'm just <laughs> like you know what if this doesn't really affect me and it, it doesn't like, like the jeans, like I, I want a little bit of a neat apartment. Right, <laughs> sure. But if fair. it does, I think that's fair, right? Yes. But like there's some, like we've, we've been back from New York for how many weeks now? And your, <laughs> your luggage is still right there. Well, it's now a cat bed. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, the cats sleep on it, so. I can't get rid of that for them. And that's why I haven't said anything. <laughs> Well, today you just put your suitcase away, and I said I saw his suitcase because his his suitcase was in the bedroom too. And then I saw it, and I was like, "Okay, challenge accepted." You know, when I saw a suitcase that had been placed properly, I thought maybe, maybe I should try. Now, we got anyway, to yes, anyway, questions. sorry, Bridge. I was just trying to tell you that there's a a, a bridge from your heart to mine, and I get. <laughs> I, I, it's nice to know that somebody knows how I feel. Mm. Someone somewhere out in the world, someone has a hard time communicating their emotions. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people. Millions of people. Yeah, you're in America, so <laughs> I would say the majority. 
Okay, so we get questions, Instagram, Twitter, Gmail, voicemail, of course, our favorite. This first one, though, is an Instagram direct message from Anonymous. Uh, and picked, this is, this is what a wonderful synergy Yes. Uh, because and you'll find out why in a moment, Bridger. <laughs> Hi, Naomi and Andy. Love the pod. I'll get straight into it. My beautiful daughter was born in late May. Gorgeous. So this past Mother's Day, I was still pregnant. My husband refused to acknowledge it as I wasn't a mother yet. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Imagine taking a hard stance on Mother's Day because, <laughs> because the person is seven months pregnant. And they're like, until it crowns, <laughs> you ain't a mother. There could Jeez. be something else in there. Exactly. <laughs> anything. Um, so, sorry, where was I? I wasn't a mother uh, yet. Um, yet, I didn't see him gaining 40 pounds. <laughs> okay, I don't know why I'm lying. It was 50. Bless. <laughs> Bless. I love you. I see you. Or giving up his evening cocktail for nine months for this baby. But whatever. I can be chill. <laughs> I semi-jokingly asked him what he was giving me as a push present, parentheses, a present for the new mom as a thank you for pushing a watermelon-sized infant out of your hoo-ha, end parentheses, <laughs> and when I didn't get a good response, I just told him what I'd like. Fast forward to today. I'm on maternity leave, and I'm one, and I'm the one with the boobs, so I'm doing 90% of the baby care. I still haven't gotten a present from him, and honestly, it's starting to make me resentful, especially since I went all out for Father's Day. Do I straight up ask for a gift again? Would it mean anything at all if I have to force him? Am I being selfish? Thanks. So here you are, the host of I Said No Gifts, okay? (laughs) The podcast about gifting, about giving, about who you are as a person through your purchases. <laughs> and so, my God, for this to come in here, how perfect. Bridger, we have to start with you as the oh host of I Said God. No Gifts. I, feel, I mean, why didn't she write into me? That's my <laughs> question. I'm offended that she didn't reach out to me in the first place. But, you know, this is I guess this is as good of a place as any. This is a, what's happening in this relationship. I, she is not hiding. I mean, it sounds like she's been very direct. She wants yeah. a gift. Yeah. yeah. She, she also wanted to be celebrated on Mother's Day. She said these things, and he yeah. refused? Yeah. <laughs> imagine and, that. It's, <laughs> sorry, imagine that, like, being so adamant. I know. Uh, <laughs> until there's a physical creature in your arms, I refuse to celebrate you. Right, you're not a mother to me. I mean, and this is why she wrote into couples therapy. Okay, Bridger? Right. This, is, this is not, it's not just about a gift. Okay. No, this is a, a huge... I mean, what are we talking about? Divorce! Get out of this relationship! <laughs> I, I really don't know what we're even talking about here. This guy seems like he's out of his mind. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people celebrate Mother's Day for just random women in their lives. No, sure. Whether like we they're have pets. The, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, you're a cat mother. Or just like, you're like you're not my mother, but I know you're a mother. Or right. I've definitely given my friends presents for like, knowing when they were pregnant. Like, almost Mother's Day. Cute, cute, mm-hmm. cute moment. Because I'm never going to remember anything again. You know what I mean? Like, Including I'm not the names me. of your children. Exactly. So, it's, I just remember up top when you're still, you know, recognizable to me. Um, <sighs> but... She's, basically, she's like, you know, should I ask again? Am I being selfish? We'll tell you right now. And you can probably tell by our reaction. You're not being selfish. No. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. I guess you can ask again. I, I, I mean, maybe there's another part of this where he's doing some wonderful thing in her life that's just so incredible that she left that out and that she wants to hold on to. Uh, <laughs> 
unless if the rest of the relationship is anything like this email or uh, anonymous Instagram message, uh, get out. (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise, I guess ask again, right? Right. Maybe write him a letter and ask. Maybe that'll help. And say specifically what the item is you want. Yeah. I think think so. Make a registry of one thing and send it it to him. Send him a link to his... It's just like that... Like, I'm sorry. I'm just like... I, I know I'm harping on like how adamant this guy is, but it just like makes me think that there is more there that like right. if you're that like unless okay here's the only thing i can think of there's sometimes where like i'll be doing a lot for you naomi mm-hmm. and then you'll ask for a thing on top of that and i'll get a little like peeved uh-huh you bristle and i'll bristle a little <laughs> bit because i'm like but i'm already doing these other 10 things correct and now you're asking for an 11th thing right but i probably didn't ask you for one through eight right like do you know what i mean because i I know what you mean, but I think there's a difference of like, for instance, you do a lot of work around the house and that's something you took on even before I proved to be mentally ill. Because, <laughs> because you like things a certain level of neat. You don't want jeans on a chair. So <laughs> that's how you started doing them because you were like, I kind of need to sweep every day. And it's and I'm like, I would never sweep every day. So there you go. Um, so I think sometimes when it's like, oh, hey, will you give me a ride somewhere? <laughs> It's like, that's a very specific need to me. Mm-hmm. Yes. You see what I'm saying? And even though I'm like, yeah. Because trust me, I think I'm like, Andy does so much Bridger. And I'm just out here, honey. I'm just out <laughs> here taking midday three-hour naps. And he's doing the work. But then I really can't drive. So I need to be dropped places. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's completely fine. Like, I, I think I'd go through a similar thing in my relationship where I, like, start listing off the things I've done all day. I made the coffee. I did the dishes, all these things. I'm like, well, Jim didn't ask me to do any of those things. <laughs> I, they were things I chose to do. It wasn't like his wish list was do the dishes. It was my thing. So I can't hold that against him when he wants something else. Yeah. I think... Uh, and then, like, going back, like, I think some people are not good at giving gifts. I think some people are forgetful and need a little pushing and, like, the idea of being like, you should know what I want, I think is a little unfair. But it sounds like in this situation, she's been as direct as humanly possible with this person. And then yeah. to say, to use the word refused, he refused. It's yeah. like, well, what are we working with here? This is not right. a forgetful person. He's not bad with gifts. He's just uh, directly disregarding everything you say to him. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I guess the, here's here's my thing. Have a conversation and ask, hey, why was this such a problem for you? Like, what was it about yeah. it? Like, because maybe there's something deeper under the surface, like his, right. like some issue. Yeah, that like, he's was he afraid with. something would happen to the baby? You know what I mean? Like, was this something, sure. like, you know what like, I mean? Like, su- yeah, superstitious. Yeah. Unpacking. See, I told you there's a bridge between our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so it's like a, you know, so there is something to talk about. My other thought was too, and, and the reason why, like, I'm, I say have that conversation, but, you know, remember, this is somebody with a newborn baby. Her ass is tired. I'm surprised she had energy to write the DM. So it's like, you know, and I can imagine, you know, I know me when I don't sleep, I'm on fucking edge about everything. So, you know, that plus hormones, you know, your body getting right again. You know, whenever you choose to have that conversation, do it when it's best for you. 
Okay, because you got to be in a place to have a convo. And in case he say some shit that drive you crazy, I don't want you around the kitchen knives. Right. Although I had a full meal. I'll say this, though. If you're planning on stabbing him, (laughs) it might want to be now. So you can be like postpartum depression. Oh, God, Andy Hush. That's your one out. That's your one card you can play. (laughs) Yeah, you got a great card. You got to you got to draw four, (laughs) but you have a limited time to use it. My other suggestion, though, is do y'all have a mutual friend, a, meaning a person who can almost kind of whisper in his ear, hey, you should really get her something like new mom, you know, a little pampering, a little whatever. Some, somebody who can kind of plant it in his ear for her, right. you know, and and maybe coming from someone else, it'll make him think like, oh, is so is this a thing I should have been doing? You know, because we really don't know his history with other gifts, you know, right. if he how he is about stuff in general, where he's like, he could be a person who's like, you want like a physical present, right? Like, right. I know I'm bad at physical presents. I will sooner buy you 20 meals in a row than <laughs> go to a store and find an object. Right. right. Like, I don't know how to pick. Maybe he grew up in a house where they didn't do anything for Mother's Day, and he thinks that doing things for Mother's Day is a, like a wild thing to do and just thinks that's how everyone else, and he thinks his wife is wrong. So maybe, yeah, the friend being like, oh, no, wow. the rest of society does things. <laughs> yeah. Although I feel like we're giving this guy a lot of leeway I know. Leeway I know. I, well, we try, we try to come from, you know. A place of empathy. We do. We have to start with I show up and demand divorce. <laughs> well, like, no, but I'm thinking like, but you said divorce so we can be empathetic because I'm with you as well. But I never tell people with new babies to get divorced. I'm like, you need help. You need hands. You need help. <laughs> um, but Use them while you can. Exactly. But no, we all things like him refusing. It's just such a strange thing to it stick is. in his craw. And like, which is why, because I think we all think it's strange. It's like, there's got to be something underneath because this don't right. make no sense. <laughs> it's like, why else would right. you? Oh, Lord. And also, if you want more, if you want more feedback um, or maybe have him write into Bridger's podcast, I said no <laughs> gifts. And then perhaps Bridger can tell your husband what to do. That we will work. save this marriage. Two, they just need two full podcasts. <laughs> and they will be on their way. And then do a third. And then once that's done, do Judge John Hodgman. Ooh. And then he'll adjudicate. We love that. <laughs> we love so, that. We are building a network here. <laughs> uh, all right. Why don't we do uh, one of the famous voicemails that uh, we love so much? Dammy, do you remember what that phone number is if someone wants to call in themselves? Absolutely. 323-524-7839. And please remember, there is a three-minute limit, okay? So you got to focus. You got to focus because you'll get cut off and then you'll have to call back. Some people who don't like to leave messages, they'll do like a voice memo and send that in to via the, email. To the Gmail account. Yeah, like do love what works. But like, I love, because when I hear your voice, I know where you're at emotionally. I got to tell you what, this one comes in well under the wire. Here we oh, go. Wonderful. Hi, Andy and Naomi. I'm a big fan of the pod. I just started listening a few months ago, but I'm all caught up. And I've got a question that I've asked other people in my life for advice, but I could really use some outside input. So I just turned 30. I've been dating my boyfriend for about a year and a half, almost two years. And I come from a very conservative, evangelical background, but I moved to Southern California because I'm kind of out of that. Um, but my family still, you know, wants me to get married. And 
even my aunt, who's also left the church, is like, when are you guys going to move in together? But my boyfriend still lives at home with his parents. It's kind of a cultural thing. He's Hispanic. He's a very cautious person, which is good because I'm very impulsive. (laughs) But basically, we've talked about it. We know marriage is in our future. We know we want to live together. But while I rent a converted garage apartment that's just like a room that me and my toy poodle share, um, he is living at home with his parents and is in no hurry to uh, try to move in together, which I know is probably smart if we've only been dating not even two years. However, I I wouldn't mind sharing an apartment without getting married, but he doesn't want to get an apartment because he doesn't believe in paying rent. He feels like if he's going to spend that much money, it should be on a house note. And he thinks it's smarter if we just wait two more years and put a down payment on a house and get a house. But I get impatient. So I just want to know who's right. Is it too soon to move in together? Or am I okay wanting to move in together so I can have my own space and not live in a house with four to six strangers at a time? Thank you, guys. Love the show. Bye-bye. Okay, Bridger, oh. we did not plan these questions around you. Okay, because <laughs> well, the first one, the first one, gift. <laughs> the first the one, next sure. one, I was like, ex-evangelical this. conservative background moving in Ooh. with the BF. I was like, my God, it's, ne- it's we never we normally don't have this kind of synergy. Is what I'm saying. This so is this incredible. Is this is a lot of synergy here. Like this needed to happen, <laughs> and this young woman needed to hear my voice today. Exactly. <laughs> she, I'm an answer to a prayer. Let's just say it. Yeah, absolutely. I've said that for years. <laughs> Well, the first, I mean, this thing is all over the place, but we're talking about buying a house in two years, but someone's still living at home, not paying, like, I need to know what, I would love to know what either of these people are doing for careers and where they are in Southern California, because two years from now seems, that seems like a big dream to be buying a house. What about Inland Empire? (laughs) I guess if they're in the Inland Empire, but I mean, the market, (laughs) let's just say it, the market. (laughs) I I assume though, because here's the thing: if he's living at home, he is banking all of his salary. True. That's the thing; he's banking all his salary. Oh, that's a friend of mine from high school lived in his parents' basement. He he worked at the post office, lived in his parents' basement for the first like four or five years that he worked there, and bought a house. That yeah. Wow. So yeah, depends just on like where outright you're... bought a house. Yeah. So it's like, you know, so he could be doing that. But it's like, I get it. You're in a converted garage. You would like a real apartment. Oh, of course. And so you're, you know, so you're feeling like, okay, you know, if you guys came together, the rent would be lower, two people paying, you could get something that is more grown up feeling. Um, So I don't think you're wrong to want to move in together. But I also don't think that his not wanting to is a bad sign, so to speak. After a year and a half, I think. A year and a half feels still pretty new. Yeah. I mean, what what do you guys think? For moving in, like, what what is the average? Two years into a relationship? Guess how we were two years We were two years. But I will say this. Part of that was also... Andy lived in Greenpoint. I lived in Harlem. It was a full-time job seeing oh, each other. Oh, that's like cute. <laughs> yes. So it was like, you know, it got to a point where it was like, okay, we got to do something because this is too much. <laughs> and so, but two years. But yeah, we have been together a full two years. Yeah, I think two years. Well, I, I don't know. Look, there's no hard and fast rules for this. I don't know. Do you feel like you are 
ready to move in with that, each other? Like, that's it. Do you f- have that feeling in your chest? Right. But then also kind of what's the... D- but here's the other question, too. Again, he lives with his parents. So then I assume you're mostly hanging out at your place when you guys are together or spending the night? Or is, like, mom cooking you eggs in the morning? I don't know. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> so well, the dog is at the garage, so they must be staying at the garage, you're right? Right. right. Yeah, to be the with dog the, alone in the garage. That's true. By the way, what I am picturing is the um, the mother-in-law house in Growing Pains that Kirk Cameron lived in above the I garage. I know this house, Andy. I, I, yeah, I didn't know he lived in a house above the garage. Oh, when, after, well, when they wanted to keep him around, he had already graduated high school. Mm. <laughs> they wanted to keep him around. He, they converted the, uh, the, the place above the garage, and Kirk Cameron lived there. And Boner would come up and they'd hang out there. Ugh, talk about an evangelical. And, uh, Kirk Cameron. Oh, my God. Like Still alive somehow. Uh, <laughs> well, he was left behind. That's why. Uh, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, this is an interesting. It's, is there it's, a rapture in Mormonism? There's no rapture. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of, everybody kind of just dies. And then I you guess. You get a planet. Right. You get a planet if you were good. Eventually, Jesus is going to come back. That uh-huh. kind of thing. Here's so still a second coming. Right. Here's what I always thought, though, about the celestial kingdom is this funny, this idea, or like you, you know, having your own planet. But, and it's like all your loved ones will be on that planet. But what if one of your loved ones was like, well, my idea of heaven is not seeing your ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're going to have different planets. You've got a whole planet. <laughs> yeah, but still be like, I don't want to be in your planet for the rest of my life. I'm doing my own planet over Go to here. another continent. <laughs> Andy, I don't think they have continents like that, okay? They're not, you're not corporeal. It's your spirit. Is there any? Wait, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I truly like. I, I'm not like making jokes, but I truly know nothing about Mormonism besides like what I've seen on Big Love. So, which is not accurate. I <laughs> right. Is there like a topography? Like, is there any discussion of like the like this stuff? Like the reality no. of the celestial no. kingdom? No, uh, not really. I mean, especially the planet stuff. Like, you barely hear about that. I think it's also like. The Mormon Church's march towards the mainstream has, like, kind of those things are oh. like more and more quiet, you know? So it's like, uh-huh. even growing up, like, you would occasionally hear about that kind of thing, but it wasn't, like, the main focus of discussion. Uh-huh. But it's not like Apocrypha. It's still part of the, part right, of the faith. Right, right. As of now. As, I mean, as, as of, I don't know, 20, 2004, I guess I could tell you. <laughs> That's how up to date. Uh, <laughs> you're not getting the newsletters anymore. I'm not receiving the newsletters. Uh, um, all right, I'm just saying. It's like you got to think about that celestial kingdom situation because <laughs> it's like you want me, but I don't know you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're my cousin, but I'm not into you. Just think about what your idea of heaven is. I'm just gonna say that. Yeah, that asks. That's a lot going on. But um, that's not what she's asking us about. Okay, she's asking if she should move in. If she is, you know, he doesn't believe in paying rent. It's like, babe. Except life. Okay, we've had two back-to-back men who just, like, don't want to be adults. Of course. You know, it's like, you're not an actual mother, so you don't get a present. I don't believe I should have to pay someone rent. Well, I mean, look, I get the psychology of it, right? You're like, I don't want to pay this other person. This other person just bought this place, and now it's like, sits on their ass collecting money, right? Yeah. I get, as, uh, look. The DSA in you. (laughs) The DSA member in you. Sure, I get, like, not wanting to do that but also like here i guess here's the thing and this is more this is not for the the uh the caller this is more for her boyfriend which is like i don't know sometimes you gotta for the sake of your politics you gotta 
make some compromises. Like sometimes Naomi doesn't recycle the things she's supposed to recycle and I don't <laughs> pull it out of the trash can. I just let it go. <laughs> Did you really let it go if you're bringing it up in the podcast with Bridger? <laughs> but I'm not because we up. have company here. You I'm not bringing have a it up as a screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bringing it up as like a big deal, like it's a problem. I'm just saying like <sighs> this is well. like you know. And I'll, by the way, and we, we can all say this like recycling. Like I think like eight to nine percent of the stuff you actually stick in the recycling bin actually gets recycled. So oh, you know. Andy, don't don't put that out there. That's going to make people even worse at recycling. People need yeah. to hear that a thousand percent of everything recycled <laughs> is recycled. People will look for any excuse. Yeah, any what we have excuse. to do is organize together and force large corporations to <laughs> stop polluting. Yes, that too. But that's Look, not this, her question. <laughs> this guy is saying, what? They're a year and a half in, and he's saying, we've got to wait two more years before we move in together? That seems like a lot, doesn't it? In th- like three and a half years into the relationship, I'll be ready? That I don't know. I feel like there needs to be more of a discussion here. But also, you don't want to move in with somebody who's dragging their feet. I feel like anytime someone yeah. drags yeah. their feet, you want to delay it like three months. Revisit yeah. this conversation in three months. Oh, that's interesting. Great. That's, that's a great. good call. A three month. Yeah. Put a moratorium. If you will. Right. Maybe. Um, yeah, I think that's right. I think it's also, I don't know. I think to me too, buying property together is a really big deal on par with yeah. getting married, right? Because it's another totally. legally binding document. So to me, I, I think it would make more sense. I don't know, but people do it. People do it this way all the time, right? Like they don't move in together till marriage. People do it all the time. Oh, yeah. And then because you're married, I think the thinking is like you'll be more inclined to work through stuff, right? right. Meaning like if you start living with somebody and you realize, oh, you spend 20 hours a day on the couch, <laughs> but now you're my husband, so I will let it go. Is that like the thinking? I don't know, but I just think that, yes. Yeah, for a penny and for a pound at that point. I think that's, a, I think that's the thinking, right? Because why oh, yeah. else would you, you know, but... um. So I think that's a very big deal to purchase. But that leads to a lot of like white lotus marriages. Exactly. Yes. Oh, I Absolutely. love that phrase. That's a good way to shorthand. <laughs> white lotus marriages. <laughs> it's a very good shorthand. Um, so yeah, but I think that ultimately we are going to say the advice is what Bridger just said, which is circle back on this in three months with the boyfriend. Um, also, if... You know, you're if if the kind of distance, I don't know how far apart you are or how often you're actually spending time together because of his parents situation. You know, if that is difficult at all, then maybe that's also part of what the conversation is. Right. You know, um, so Bridger, when you and Jim moved in together, what was the discussion like? It was, I don't know, everything. I mean, maybe it's a bad sign for a relationship. Everything's gone pretty smoothly. It's That's just like bad we're spending a lot. We're basically spending all of our time at one apartment. Let's just do this together now. Mm-hmm. And then it was basically that. Um, so there was never any super drama about it or anything. It was just like, oh, do you want to pay half rent? Uh, we're paying for two apartments currently and only using sixty percent of them. So right. let's do it. And then it worked out. And how long had you been together? We'd only been together for a year. Well, see, okay, so, so see, there are no rules. So I'm saying, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's if, the only uh, <laughs> we're off the rails right now. <laughs> I that- will say to this caller, uh, maybe there's some way to find out financially. How, let's can we get a look at those bank statements? Are we on? <laughs> are we on track to buying a house, or is this an excuse? Oh, if we're good actually call. on track towards. B- 
owning property, okay, that's a realistic thing. But if he's barely got it, like, if it, this is just some crazy wish or just an excuse to stay with his parents, uh, that's a different story. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yep. That's a really good point. You're right. So, the markets. As you said, Bridger, the markets. <laughs> <laughs> so either hire a private investigator to look into yes. his finances right. or just like he's in the bathroom and you quick do into the... Uh, <laughs> www.bankofamerica.com. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. that That's what you thought I was doing when I was like with my... I was miming something with my hand and I was going into a uh, files. Oh, a you filing, were going through files. I was going through files in a filing cabinet, which shows my age. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> As opposed all of, to logging all of on. what you were describing was very noir, though. It was like there's the yeah. private eye, there's mm-hmm. the big metal cabinet that you're suddenly filing through. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think those are. I, you're going to hire a, a private eye at some point in a relationship. <laughs> Why not do it early? <laughs> Just get it out of the way. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think that's that's like you're always going to at some point in your life you're going to hire a uh, a PI. <laughs> yeah. Do it now, so you don't have to do it later. Find a good person. <laughs> it's going to take you a while to shop around, like Bridger with therapists. One PI might be moving to Minnesota. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to find somebody good. Yeah. You, you want to find? You want to go for the Veronica Mars? You don't want the uh, yeah. the guy from the state. What's his name? Ken Marino. Yeah. You oh yeah. You don't want Ken Mars, Marino. Not the Ken Marino. You don't Absolutely. want somebody driving like a junky minivan. I feel like anytime I see an actual private investigator on TV, they're driving kind of a junky minivan. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen a private investigator in real life? Uh, no, I haven't. Have you? No. Well, we don't know, right? If they're really good. Oh, yeah. If they're good. We shouldn't know. <laughs> we should never have seen Yeah, them. if someone's tailed us, we haven't figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be a PI. When I was like, when, I, when like I was uh, in grad school and it was not going well. <laughs> I mean, going well, like I was doing fine uh, academically, but I just mean like I hated it. Uh, I, I had this fantasy. I bought a book. I had this fantasy of becoming a private eye. Wait, what was a the book, book about how to? Yeah. Yeah. The what? guy like walked you through because a lot of it's just like going to the right, the correct database, like paying for a membership in a certain kind of database online and then being able to like access like, you know, vehicular records and things like that. Oh, that's it. Yeah. That's all you need. That's a lot of it. Well, there's you have to not to tell someone without getting caught. You got to be extremely sneaky. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of you kind of you, you have kind of like a five o'clock shadow right now. So you kind of look like a detective. I could see that yeah. working. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's for Thank Naomi's you. benefit. She likes she likes me with a little scruff. So Naomi, Naomi, oh, nice. you could be dating a, dete- a detective. It could I happen know. at any point. You at could any be po- a detective right now. At any point in a relationship, your lover might become a private eye. All right, <laughs> you're going to need a private eye, or your lover will become a private eye. Those are just two <laughs> things that are going to happen. We've decided these are the rules. Yeah. So wait. So let's recap all this stuff, right? <laughs> Number one. A year and a half to two years, there's no rules for this. If you feel like that's the right, if both of you feel like it's the right time, do it. To wait three months, though, to have this conversation again. Yep. Yes. Three, do a little, but we don't really mean actually hire a private eye. We don't really mean. No, like, but ask him what he got in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're in a relationship. And he's talking about buying a house. It's like, you got 1% of 10%. What are right. we doing? That's Weirdly, a perfect- the religion doesn't really. It doesn't to play at all, this. right? Just disregard all of that. Well, I guess what I think the religion in that she's wondering if she feels this um, itch to move in because her religion would have her. You live. You marry a man. You live with a man. You don't right. just casually date them for a while. So maybe she's wondering if her. It's like is that like religion talking, telling her to like move it along? 
It might be a little bit. Just and it might tear. be still the continued social pressure, but just you get ready to start telling people to mind their own business. Yeah. And I mean, if she is an ex-evangelical, we're talking about she was a child during the like whole like purity ring oh, stuff and like right. the promise keepers and all that kind of stuff. So there's a very like I, I, I imagine she might be questioning that kind of like patriarchal right. um, strand that is in her past that is telling her that to defer to this dude in some way. And she's like, do I am I do I want this because I want this or do I want this because there's this whole kind of like weird patriarchal stuff that's in my head. Or does he not really love me if he doesn't want to move in together? Uh Uh-huh. Right. That's all that stuff in there, which, you know, brings us to our last bit of advice as always. Are you in therapy? So that's, (laughs) we always ask. We always just ask, you know, everyone's got something to unpack. Put that on a t-shirt, baby. Are you in therapy? (laughs) Are you in therapy? Are you in therapy? Are you in therapy? With the the you underlined? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Andy, what do you what do you feel? It's well, I don't want to. I don't. I know we can't keep Bridger forever. I, don't wanna, I, I don't know we keep, can't keep this Bridger is forever. Your show. I was just on a podcast for two hours uh, <gasps> recently, and it was very involved. It was a good time, but it was you know a solid two hours. That's I'll do, sick. I agree that's to things, and then I just do them. That's <laughs> disgusting. We would never ask that of you. <laughs> well, we would never. We would never. Is this next one a juicy it. one? I I don't remember. Because if it's juicy, I, I, I know yes. it, I like look en- at at them just enough to know what the topic is without. Um, do you want to do one more? I'll do another if you two want to do another. Yeah. Okay, let's see. All right. This comes to us uh, direct message from Twitter. All right, Jamie Kimmel. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it says, Bridger, I would love to hire you <laughs> for my late night show. Back off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Naomi and Andy. First, I just want to say how much I love you both and how thankful I am to have had you keeping me company and laughing through all the tragedies of the past year. You two are the best and deserve nothing but success and happiness. Parentheses, don't you dare cut this part out. (laughs) (laughs) Now on to my sitch. So I recently got an invitation to my cousin's wedding in Hawaii. Unfortunately, I'm not able to attend as the dates for the wedding are the exact same week as this road trip my partner and I have been planning and saving for the past year. Now, I received a card inviting me to their reception in Idaho, another white place, where they live for the week after they come back from Hawaii and I come back from my road trip. I would honestly truly like to go as I have not been very close to this part of the family ever since I was eight years old and moved from Washington State to Florida. However, I grew up with them and saw them nearly every day as an only child living in the middle of the woods. My cousins were my best friends, siblings, my whole world. So to be able to reconnect would mean so much. Also, my cousins and my aunt are possibly the only other people who had a relationship with my mom who is now dead. And being able to be around people who miss her and have stories about her that I've never heard, I think would be incredibly healing and important. Now, I have already told you how this trip to Idaho should go would be directly after my road trip. So not an ideal time for my finances nor my paid time off, but I could probably make it work. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. There's the setup. Now the turn. Oh, boy. <laughs> the thing is, they live in the same part of Idaho as my dad's mom. Some might call this a grandma. <laughs> who I have is not Is that her commentary or yours? <laughs> her, her commentary. Oh Parentheses. Some might call this a grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I just put I just put the inflection that those parentheses, those very rich parentheses. <laughs> yes. Much like was. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, they live in the same part of Idaho as my dad's mom, who I've not seen since I was 12. I am currently estranged from my anti-mask, Trump-loving, all-lives-matter father. Mm. As a queer woman living in Minneapolis who is doing my best to keep my mental health under control in a year of absolute grief and tragedy, I have found he is not a healthy part of my life and neither is his mother. Mm -hmm. If I went to this part of Idaho and did not see my grandmother, it would be nothing but dramatic and chaos should Mm. they find out. My phone and emails would blow up with calls saying, I am grateful. I am ungrateful. I am ungrateful and do nothing to try to connect with this family, which fair enough. I do not want to see these people (laughs) in all caps, all caps. Uh I could suck it up and stay with my grandma, which honestly could help with the cost of the trip. Okay. That's where that comes in. But I don't think it would be pleasant whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Alternatively, I would truly like to see my grandpa who is elderly and not doing well. However, he is over two hours away from the reception, and I can't think of a way to get to both my grandpa and the wedding reception in the same weekend. My question is, is going to the wedding worth the strain on finances and possibly the headache of upsetting my dad and his family? And if so, do I compromise and see his mom to save face and money? And lastly, is there an option in there that you see where I could see just my cousins and my grandpa without upsetting anyone? I apologize that this is long and likely confusing with the family relationships and geography, but I would greatly appreciate your advice. Thank you. You can call me whatever you want. Okay. So Brunhilde (laughs) is saying, well, no, I would never call you back, but okay. But here's, because, okay, the one question I have though is like, is grandma, these, oh, the cousins are on the mom's side. I believe so. So that means the dad's side wouldn't be there. Right. So to go to the reception is not to run into this unpleasant grandma. It's that you're you're now in the same right. area. So no, I, I get that. Like yeah, it's like I believe Brunhilde said that they are in Florida now, uh, or they moved to Florida at the time. I missed I, the I Midwest missed. or something. I feel oh, okay. like. But anyway, the family's in Idaho. It's far anyway. Wherever they are now, it's not near Idaho. Right. So if they go there. The the grandma yeah. and the father could be like, why didn't you come see us? You were you were so near. Right. Yeah. But can't you? I mean, are they going to feel her presence? I mean, <laughs> exactly, exactly. isn't there some way to do this covertly? Uh, like in a movie where like so, like you you know someone's like gardening and suddenly they like look up <laughs> and they're like, I feel a presence. You know. Well, you know this idea of you know this. Having family that has beliefs that directly undermine whatever love they say they have for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that is, that's what that is. And like that idea of like, it is hard to be with them. And it's like, you know, I, I get, I get that. And especially, you know, when we've had this year and a half of, you know, this whole year and a half has all been self-care, right? Yes. The actual act of avoiding people is literal self-care. And so... It's hard to then say, okay, I'm going to give some time over to these people I can't stand. Right. Um, but I think the. But wait, is she's saying she can't even she can't even think about how to get to both in the same weekend. To me, that's your excuse. Well, I think mm-hmm. I think she's saying that like if she stays with the grandma, then she can s- save money. And I think that's the thing that's like pushing a lot of this is finances, right? Because right? right. if she didn't have to worry about that. She could just not post anything on Instagram. She could go visit her cousins, hang out with them. Is the gra- Where's the grandpa in all of this? Is this on the mom's side? No, no, no that's, that's grandma's husband or ex-husband. Are they, right. uh, yeah, I don't know. Go see grandpa. 
but they live and in the, the same place. That's what I mean. That's what to me. Just avoid them. Don't go to the. Don't go to Target. Don't go to Walmart. Don't go to the supermarket. Because that's. I I know when I go visit my parents, that's when my blood pressure starts. Like when I go oh, to the yeah. supermarket, I'm worried I'm going to run into someone from high school. Oh, of course. And I start like, yeah, there's a lot of like, (laughs) there's a lot of me like walking down the aisle and I get to the end of the aisle and I kind of just like look like just like slightly look out just to make sure there's no one I know. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. And I have before definitely like seen someone out of the corner of my eye and then got really interested in the breads. (laughs) Okay, I figured it out, though. So grandpa specifically is over two hours away from the reception. So maybe grandpa's in assisted living or doing oh. something separate. or staying So he is not with grandma. Ex- yes. So what I thought is that is wrong now. So that's why she's like, I would like to see him. But she's like, how can I? I don't think I can get to both grandpa and the reception. So then that kind of oh. answers that re-grandpa. To me, I, I wonder if, is there no, I know you haven't seen your family in a while. But, you know, you obviously have this connection between, obviously, your childhood, your mom. I, do you feel comfortable asking them, hey, so it's a little tight for me financially. Do you have a place I can crash? Can the I cousins. stay at aunt's cousins or the aunt, right, right. their mom's house? Right. Like, Just ask either of them, hey, you know, I don't want to put you out. I know it's like a busy weekend, but if you just had a couch I could stay on, that would help me. And I think you ask them that because everything you're saying about why you should see them you even say, I think it will be healing and important. And it sounds like they're kind of, she's on good terms with the rest of these people. Right. Right. I mean, this doesn't help anything, but I just keep picturing this grandma. Did you ever see Pan's Labyrinth? <laughs> uh, before you say anything, the first thing that dropped in my head was the hand with the eyes. <laughs> as soon yeah. as I said it, that's what I thought. But for whatever reason, I'm thinking about there's a giant toad that she has to go into the stomach <laughs> of. And I keep picturing the grandma as this giant evil toad that's just kind of inescapable. That doesn't help any of this question <laughs> at all. No, no, no. If we're picturing her, I'm we picturing have an image. the, the um, elderly woman from Legion that crawls oh. up the... That oh, crawls I love that. <laughs> that's fun. Oh, that's funny because I always think I'm thinking of the grandma from Throw Mama from the Train <laughs> and Goonies. Yep, she was real mean. Yeah, I was like, throw her from the train, Owen. That was a good scream, Owen. But so, like, I think you asked terrible them, impression of her. I think you asked them if you can stay with them, and I think, as Andy said, you know, avoid the big box stores, and <laughs> I think you let the chips fall where they may with them, because. You're even saying you know what's going to happen. You fucking put the calls on mute. You know what I mean? Right. Like, if you know you're going to get blown up. If yeah, you know, you they're want- going to say you're ungrateful. And it's like, I was there for 48 hours. And I know grandma was going to tell me I was a sinner. Or whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? Like, whatever the fuck it is. But also, if you are if you start getting these calls where they're all complaining about you not showing up, you say, well, it's because you do shit like this. Right. Of course I don't want to see you. Yeah. Right. Any bad behavior just kind of proves your point. Also, if you really want to suck it up and avoid it, I don't know if you're going to fly there or drive there, but you go to grandma an hour before you have to leave. Oh, that's great. You go there, you have like lunch or coffee, and it's like, I have to hit the road. And that's how you get out of it. And I think you could steal yourself for 60 minutes with an old lady. Maybe. Well, maybe. Yeah. Unless she like dumps ivermectin in your tea. I think uh. I think that's the other way you get around it. Keep it real quick. 
you know, you were there for a wedding and you or a reception and like all the things that are involved in that. I really like that actually. I just think that that's a way. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think the mon- it's not worth saving the money to stay with this grandma. I mean, that's just going to be miserable. Right. Don't do it. I mean, there has to be a cheap hotel in Idaho that's not covered in bed bugs. Right. And also, I, also, I think, really think you could stay with a family somewhere. Is yeah. there any they can kind hook of, you know, I mean, obviously, like, I, I have family members now that are a little right wing. Is there any, like, scenario we just have a conversation with them and be like, hey, this is, you know, it, you know, it makes me uncomfortable because of, like, this and this and this. I with really the Trump don't. person? Yeah, I don't. No. I don't. I look, don't, I think, oh, it's funny. It's not, it's, it's less, it's the anti-mask. Because when you're right. anti-mask, you're anti-facts. Which means you can't have a rational conversation. Right. You're not, so, you're not starting from a place of reason or yeah. honesty with that person. I know. I just want to find some scenario where, like, because, like, <laughs> where you could somehow bring the people back from the queue place. Oh, <laughs> I wish that were possible. <laughs> I don't know that that's a reality that can happen anymore. Maybe, I, maybe I'm maybe i just not hopeful enough for the human spirit, but <laughs> when you get to the queue place, you're, I think, done. I agree. I agree. It is truly the upside down. I don't know. You There's no coming back. Invite the grandma out for a slice of pizza, and then she'll like, look, it's just pizza. <laughs> there are no pedophiles here. <laughs> it's just cheese pizza. Um... Yeah, I I think yeah. Try to if you really have to ask your cousins if you can stay with them, and I think you based on this letter you do want to go see these cousins. So don't let the money stop you if you can. You know, you know if you if you can still kind of swing it. That right. is, I think, our answer. Yeah, yeah. You can if, do this. You can do this. It also, I think you know when you realize people are. I hate use. I feel like there's an overuse of the word toxic. It's like anytime someone's negative, in which case, honey, I am literally a biohazard material. Okay, <laughs> so that's why I'm like, no toxic. Okay, and the word. I'm like, because, but you know, people who really legit, you know, say things that um, are really emotionally painful. <laughs> exactly, cut you to your core. Like, it's yeah, not- the difference between like he didn't get the cereal I liked and saying something hateful saying that i does i'm gonna go to hell sure there's a wide there's a wide gulf between those two (laughs) things so yeah there's a celestial sized gulf between (laughs) those two things do you have family you have to keep on the back you have to kind of keep at a distance uh for political beliefs or your sexuality at this point i mean you said your family's cool with that uh for the most part i mean uh you know there are still some very conservative beliefs but i just avoid the subject Mm -hmm. as much as possible um you know like around the last election i couldn't help myself and (laughs) would start things up and then realize almost (laughs) immediately this is not going to help anyone in this situation right so uh but fortunately most of the people in my life are fairly moderate uh decent minded people that i don't have to Mm -hmm. like the ones that are truly horrible uh i've just cut off communication with Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. I think that's important to say that, like, just because you're politically not on the same page as someone doesn't mean they're monsters. But if they're too far over there, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. that's where you cross into uh, <laughs> yeah. real like uh, vampire territory. <laughs> <laughs> when we stop not wanting vaccines and not wanting to wear masks, that's where I'm like, okay, well, I can't deal with you. I like you're just fully denying reality at this point. Right. And right. you're actually a danger to me and exactly. people around you're you. You're a true liability. Right. I can't be it's like you are wild. Get out of here. 
I met a young person who wasn't vaxxed, had the nerve to be in my house. I said, get away from me. Oh, I like literally gotta, stood at a distance. Wait, what? <gasps> Remember uh, my cousin's friend? Oh, yeah. And I was that like, was when we were in New York. Live in it New was, York. This is when we were in New York. And oh, I was that's like, so scary. I was like, you ain't Yeah, vaxxed. it was really, I, I, I'm like, now Andy I have to wear a livid. mask in the house. Andy oh. literally like stayed in the closed bedroom the entire time <laughs> he was there. <laughs> and like me, I was just like, and I just, the whole time I was looking at him like, I just, I wanted to yell at him like, are you fucking proud of yourself? Do you think <laughs> you're somebody? And like, I just like wanted to go off the entire, uh, but yeah. I couldn't because it was like my family was in town for two days. Right. They had come to see me. His ass showed up and I just felt like we had a pleasant short trip. I'm not going to yell at this person who I never really <laughs> see, you know, outside of this, mm-hmm. but the right. whole time. Miss Idaho here can take a lesson from that. That's true. Miss Idaho, you might just keep it to yourself for a day with grandma, but it's different with family. I wasn't related to him. So his, you know, desire to die of, in, you know, of COVID, you know, yeah, that's not just wear a mask. Me. Go visit grandma, wear a mask, I guess. <laughs> wear an N95, a couple of them. Yeah, two mm. N95s and a DSA t shirt. And dare her to start some shit. I'm kidding. Don't do that. Or you turn it around on grandma. Say, I know you're not vaccinated and you don't wear a mask. Unfortunately, I have COVID. I don't want to give it to you. Ooh, that's fun. Wow. Last minute as the bell rings. <laughs> yep. Yep. Bridger in with a hot lie that there works. <laughs> Just don't let anyone at the wedding party know about that lie because now you have a lot to answer to. Hey, exactly. two branches of the family. They'll never. Right. It's a or Mrs. If, Doubtfire situation. If the, <laughs> <laughs> yes. When you go, when, when you're on the phone with grandma, if you're video chatting with her, you know, have a respirator there. If you really, you really <laughs> have respirator. to, you really have to, if you're, Hey, if this is a Mrs. Doubtfire scenario, you got to go all in. You got to go all in. <laughs> Who was that? Who was that? Uh, it was, <laughs> Who was that? Honestly, it was supposed to be Mrs. Doubtfire. Instead, it turned out more like. Carrie's mom. mom. Yep, mom from Carrie. Carrie's exactly. Mom. They're all going to laugh at you. Okay, uh, Bridger, we're going to stop just <laughs> being crazy. We truly love you. Deep oh, in our I hearts. I love both of you. Yeah, this Bridger, was so a... fun, and we appreciate you taking the time. What a gosh darn delight. A gosh darn delight. You lifted me up. And everyone listen to Bridger's podcast. I said no gifts. Why am I doing that now? What is? <laughs> we love you deeply. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next week. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.